Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Everybody, Eddie Trunk here with you in time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday, podcast1.com and iTunes. Hey, if you're shopping on Amazon, you know what to do, right? Start on my page, amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Take a look at what is uh, for offer there on that page and then go ahead on to the other areas of Amazon and continue to do your shopping. Appreciate you always starting there, though, at Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Just back from Jazz Fest in New Orleans, where I had the opportunity to um, shoot another episode of my upcoming new TV show on Access TV called Trunk Fest, which is me out there covering what goes on at some of these massive music festivals around the country. And it was another interesting and revealing trip. It was... uh, you know, one of the great things about doing this new TV series that I'm doing is it gives me the opportunity to explore some festivals and see some of them that I normally wouldn't go to because the music is not really my thing, so to speak. You know, more of a hard rock guy myself. Those are the festivals I know about. And God knows we have a ton of those festivals these days. But I've heard about some of these other festivals like Jazz Fest. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's been going. This was the 49th year And I would never probably go to Jazz Fest on my own because, you know, just to go as a a fan because, A, I'm not into jazz, and B, my assumption would be, given the name Jazz Fest, that it is jazz. Well, this is what's going to be so cool about people who check out my new TV series. You'll learn more about these festivals if you've never been to them, as I am doing, and you'll find out about them with me. And uh, essentially... Jazz Fest is every kind of music, maybe the least represented music that I saw there over this past weekend was jazz. There's gospel, there's R&B, there's pop, there is rock, there's a little bit of everything. And it is very ingrained in the culture of New Orleans. It really is. And New Orleans is a city that I had not been to in about 30 years. I went there about five months ago, last October, 
maybe six months ago, whatever it was, last October for Voodoo Fest, which is a completely unrelated festival, and now back there less than six months later to shoot a second of what will be uh, two of eight episodes coming from New Orleans, and this time at Jazz Fest. Jazz Fest runs over two weekends, so it's also happening this weekend as well. And Aerosmith is performing this weekend. I would have loved to have gone to that, but I will be at M3 this weekend. I'll tell you about my upcoming schedule in a second. But anyway, it was cool to be back in New Orleans, a city that I'm really, really enjoying. I mean, again, I hadn't been there in so long, and then to be there twice in six months, I really, really enjoy uh, that city. A lot of fun, obviously, and uh, a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, a lot of eating. And, uh, and and a great time there. So excited to have shot an episode, uh, the sixth of what will be eight, I'm told, episodes of this new TV series. It premieres on Access TV on July 1st, 9.30, 8.30 Central. And Access TV, I find it, it, it reminds me very, very much of my years at VH1 Classic because there are people that absolutely who get Access TV and absolutely love it and worship it because it's got so much music content. And then there are those that have no idea of its existence. They don't get it. They've never heard of it. They don't know how to spell it. They don't know how to look for it. <laughs> so much like I was in the early years of VH1 Classic, although Access TV not so much early years, but still... I'm trying to educate people about not only a new show, but also the channel where you will find it, at least some people. So I'll tell you already, the channel is on your grids as AXS. That's how it comes up. Not access spelled in the traditional sense. AXS TV is what you're looking for on your grids. If you're a music fan, you should know it. You should have it. And I'm sure you are a fan of it. If you are not or haven't heard of it, look for it. There are some cable systems that do not carry it. I'm hoping when we get a little closer to the air date of my show, there will be some outlets and alternative ways you can see the show. We'll know more about that when we get a little bit closer. But July 1st is the premiere date. I think the first episode that will run will be my episode from Sturgis and the uh, the big biker rally that goes on there. So it was cool to be back in New Orleans. I'm thrilled to be doing this show for Access. I hope and uh, can't wait for you guys to all check it out. And we'll start gradually ramping up to its premiere on July 1st with more information as we get closer. Two more episodes to shoot of that. I'm not sure where exactly they're going to be. I believe is one is going to be upstate New York in Woodstock, and I'm waiting on the information on the other. And then we'll have about eight done, and then the series will start rolling out. So uh, good to be back in New Orleans this past weekend. Uh, not my world musically so much. The only rock acts that were there really were Rod Stewart, who I did not see. I got to tell you, one of the things, I am not an early functioner at all. And you would think that um, covering music festivals, it would be mostly evening work. But I was out uh, in the morning, starting in the morning at Jazz Fest, in the heat, in the sun, knocked the hell out of me. And the interesting thing about Jazz Fest is that it wraps up by 7 o'clock every day. It is not an evening event. So Rod Stewart went on at 5.30. I had finished my shooting day around 4, and I had was baked and done and got out of there. So Rod Stewart really liked the only rock act I had a, a some some interest in seeing, but I didn't because I just was kind of ready to get out at that point after having shot all day. Also shot some stuff around the city of New Orleans, down on Bourbon Street, at a restaurant, at a at a voodoo shop, had my cards read, first time for that. So very much more of a travel show when you see the uh, the new TV show I'm working on, and I'm excited for you to do so. Of course, don't forget, I have a daily radio show on Sirius XM 106 Volume. 
where you can hear me every day live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying every night 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern and on demand as well on the SiriusXM app. Hope you check that out. And the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast originate from the daily radio show that I do on SiriusXM. So with that in mind... Uh, real quick, couple other quick notes here at the top, and then we'll uh, we'll transition into the interview. With that in mind, though, want to let you know I've uh, speaking of my 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 radio show, which is called Trunk Nation. I have a brand new T-shirt just released, and that is available in the merch store on eddytrunk.com. Have a look at it; very cool design. Thanks to my friend David Calcano for coming up with it. And uh, be great if you bought one of those shirts and represent it out there. Love to see you out there representing it. Uh, Trunk Nation shirt, brand new design, available in the merch store on eddytrunk.com. Sign copies either of my books, hit the books tab, music news updated daily, email me through the site, eddie at eddytrunk.com, and all of my upcoming appearances, which include this weekend, the M3 Rock Festival in Maryland, which I host every year. I'll be there Friday, most of Saturday, getting out a little early on Saturday night. I'll head to the airport on Saturday night, fly to Los Angeles, where Sunday I will host the Ride for Ronnie event for the uh, Dio Cancer Fund in Encino. That is an afternoon event, Los Encinos Park, this coming Sunday. Stephen Adler, Bisto Blanco, and Dio Disciples among the performers. And then I will stay in Los Angeles the week of May 7th and do my SiriusXM show from there and uh, look forward to spending some time in Southern California before returning, and then on to the next thing. We'll let you know what those are as they come in. Schedule always busy. Best way to keep up with everything I have going on, where I'm at, what I'm doing, is Twitter, at Eddie Trunk. Also, Instagram, Facebook as well, at Eddie Trunk. But Twitter, up to the second, most complete, and uh, that's where I would be most active. Now, the interview I have for you this week, I think you are going to love. I was excited to do this. It's incredibly rare for me to do an interview with somebody that I have not interviewed before, and that is the case with what you're about to hear. I spent almost an hour sitting down with Lenny Kravitz. Lenny is a guy that I've been a fan of and have uh, known of his work since day one. 1989, his first album came out. I was working in rock radio well into it at that point. I remember very clearly that record coming in and the diverse nature of it, very eclectic. The fact that the guy wrote, performed, produced, sang everything on the record, it was crazy. And to this day, that is what Lenny still does. He his uh, I tend to like Lenny Kravitz's more guitar-driven music. His music is all over the map. He does do everything from R&B to funk, and I like some elements of some of that stuff. But for the most part, the more guitar-driven stuff I absolutely love. And I always knew Lenny was a big Kiss fan. Uh, Of course, he did a a song on the Kiss tribute record, and I knew that was somewhat of a common bond of ours. I did not know Lenny back in the day. It was kind of surprising because he's from the same area originally that that I am, and um, I knew so many people in the music industry at that time, but he he and I had never really crossed paths earlier than what you're about to hear. But the funny story about the backstory of this interview is that he was doing a quick run through at Sirius XM about f- six months ago. And I was doing my show from my home studio that day. And he had been doing something with another show in, in the studio I was about to patch into. And he had heard that I was coming on and he said, where's Eddie? Where's Eddie? I got to say hello. And we talked very briefly over the microphones and he said, we got to do something. I said, Lenny, I would love to. So sure enough, he, um, 
he came in and uh, hit up Sirius XM to spend some time talking with me. Now, he has a new record coming out, but the record is not being released until September. And I was I thought that the interview that we're doing, you'll hear me in the beginning say, we'll get to more about the new record in a second, and then I don't do it. And the reason why is because his publicist came over to me during the first commercial break and said, we don't want to talk about the new record yet. It's too early. And uh, I said, oh, I thought this was to promote the new record. And, you know, it's just to come and hang out and talk to you. So those interviews are the best. When you can do interviews like that where there's not the heavy sell, they're not pushing anything specific, those are the best interviews because you can just spread out, you can hang. It's, it's, there's not that pressure to drive to selling something. And that's why I think this interview you're about to hear was so heavily – uh, regarded, I've got, I've gotten since this originally aired live. I've gotten so many people who have said they really enjoyed this conversation. So I appreciate that very much. This was also filmed. It was shot. It was done on Facebook Live, and the video is archived. I believe if you go to my page, my fan page on Facebook, which is just my name, or the SiriusXM volume page on Facebook, you'll still see the video archived, and you can watch this whole interview as well if you'd like. But we had a great conversation. I could have went forever with the guy. I'm a fan of his work. Really, really enjoyed this, and I hope you do as well. One other side note to this that's really funny that happened off the air. As soon as we ended the interview you're about to hear, Lenny Kravitz handed me his phone and asked me to give him my number. I'm punching in my number into Lenny's address book on his iPhone, and as I'm doing it, the phone rings as a FaceTime call, and it is none other than Steven Tyler. <laughs> and I see it light up face Steven Tyler FaceTime, and I turn to Lenny, and I said, Lenny, I'm thinking you probably want to answer this. And he's like, oh, yeah, do you know Steven? I said, a little bit. So he pushes FaceTime, and Steven Tyler is... Pops up on the screen, is doing something with Nuno Betancourt and another some band in in uh, Tennessee, I think, and he was singing and being Steven Tyler and Lenny and I talked to him for a second and uh, it was a nice kind of surprise. It would have been great if it happened on the air. So it was really, you know, so crazy because here, here I am talking with Lenny Kravitz. And, oh, by the way, uh, Stephen Tyler's FaceTiming Lenny and we're talking to him. So just, just crazy, surreal stuff. Um, anyway, uh, again, enjoy this interview. I really think you're going to, and I appreciate Lenny taking the time. And I hope to do a lot more with him in the very near future, especially with that album coming out in September. The really crazy thing about this, too, was that... I did this interview, then I went to New Orleans for Jazz Fest, and then I'm in New Orleans, and I see a photo of Lenny posted in New Orleans on his social media. And then I I, I inquire, I said, Lenny, are you in, uh, I check with his, his team, I said, is Lenny in New Orleans? And it was the day after, and they said, yeah, he was, he did a private show, and he's gone already. So I, I had no idea he was about to do a show, because a lot of these guys do these private shows you don't even know about, and I would have loved to, maybe could have had the chance to see him play a day after I talked to him, but we we missed each other there having no idea. So anyway, Lenny Kravitz for almost an hour on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. I enjoyed the conversation. It's a, it's a little look into his uh, beginnings and the touch a little touch on the new record, but we'll do more on that 
when we get a little bit closer. So again, for me, M3 this weekend, I'll see you there in Columbia, Maryland, then over to LA, see you at the Dio Cancer Fund event, then the week in Los Angeles before coming back. Rocklahoma will be here before you know it, Memorial Weekend in Pryor. I'll be out there hosting that as usual. Striper, May 30th, IDL Ballroom in Tulsa. Lots of Tulsa time, lots of Los Angeles time coming up. And again, follow on social media to keep up with me. All right, we'll hit a break. We'll come back and we'll get into my interview with Lenny Kravitz on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Guy problems. If you're a guy, you know all about it. Well, how about hymns? You should know all about that. A new wellness brand for men. What kind of problems? Well, 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And here's the thing. You start to notice hair loss. It's too late really to do anything about it. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. So that's where 4HIMS comes in. 4HIMS.com. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, all for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors, folks. These are not quacks, real doctors, and they give you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. We're not talking about any sort of fake stuff, snake oil pills. Nope. These are prescriptions, solutions backed by science. There's no waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits. It's easy. You answer a few questions. The doctor can prescribe what you need, and the products are shipped directly to you. Order now because my listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash trunk. That's F O R H I M S dot com slash T R U N K. Forhims.com slash trunk. Are you looking for a champion's insight from a fan's perspective into the world of sports and entertainment? Then check out In the Key with me, NBA champion BJ Armstrong. And me, sports analyst Gerald Brown, right here on Podcast One. We know the business, and each week we'll chat with celebrity guests and provide an informed discourse on the cultural beats of the moment. Download new episodes of In the Key every Thursday on PodcastOneSports.com, the Podcast One app, or Apple Podcasts. Hey, have you checked out the big podcast with Shaq lately? Of course, Shaq and the team talk basketball and sports, but it's not all about sports. Shaq talks movies, TV, music, what's happening in his life, and maybe even a little gossip. Some of his past guests include Chris Webber, Rob Gronkowski, and Rob Riggle. Make sure you check out the big podcast with Shaq every Monday exclusively on Apple Podcasts with the podcast app and podcastone.com. I should say the podcast one app and of course podcastone.com this is the eddie trunk podcast we're back with this week's eddie trunk podcast and it's time now for my interview with lenny kravitz again this interview originated on my sirius xm show on 106 volume the show is called Trunk Nation. It's live every day, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. It replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Please join me for Daily Rock Talk and interviews on Sirius XM 106. From that uh, radio show from about a week ago, this is my exclusive conversation with Lenny Kravitz. Enjoy. 
Good to see you. How's it feel to be back in New York, man? It's great. Where it's do you live great. now? You don't live here. I live do you? in Bahamas, where my mom was from, mm-hmm. in Eleuthera, and I live in Paris. But I'm lo- from New York, born in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. no, I know all that, but yeah. I mean, you don't. Have, do you still keep a I don't place have here? Here right now. So you, you no. when you get back, you come back. Do you miss I stay the with vibe? friends? I you stay do with friends, but I love it. At Lenny Kravitz doing a little Airbnb. You know? <laughs> no, you're Somebody's not. Somebody's couch. <laughs> you know? Can I stay? Somebody mentioned to me the other day the first album, Mr. Cab Driver. They said you need to rewrite that as Mr. Uber Driver or something like that, or <laughs> yeah, Mr. Right. Lyft Driver. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you're always busy, man. You always got a lot of stuff going on, mm. and you got a new record coming out called Raise Vibration, mm. which is coming out towards the end of the year, right? A little September ways down the line. 7th, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Pe- but people, uh, you got a single coming sooner There's, than yeah, that? Yeah, that'll be coming out uh, May 25th, I believe. Yeah. 11th album. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And 30 years coming up next year since Let Love Rule. That's what they say. You feel like that to you? Not at all. Not at all. It seems like it was yesterday. It does. It really does. Because we were talking about that too. I was working in radio at the time and I remember getting that record and it does seem like yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it's a record that still holds up so well. Are you a guy that goes back and listens to your old music or are you always thinking forward? No, I always move forward. The only time I have to listen to it was when I'm teaching the band stuff for tour. Mm-hmm. And I have to go and listen and go, wait, how did that go? You know, and then and that's when I hear. But I don't I don't go home and like put the record on. That's too much for me, man. How so? How do you mean? It's just a lot of just <laughs> the pet man. When I put those records on, I can smell, feel, taste everything about my life at that time, which is cool, you know, but um, it's just a lot. It's a lot. What were you thinking when you were that kid making Let Love Rule? Mm-hmm. I mean, what I've always loved about your career, and I've seen you live many times, and I love this as well, is that mm. you touch on so many different things in your music. You know, like so, some people will be surprised to learn that I'm such a big fan of your music because I, my core, I'm a hard rock right, guy. Exactly. You know, I love loud guitars, but right. there's elements of that in your music. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you have the funky side and the R&B right. side and all that. So you're a guy, and we were talking a little bit before we started about we're the same age. We grew up in the same area. We, we liked a lot of the same rock bands. We mm-hmm. both are big Absolutely. Kiss fans. Absolutely. For you, how did that stew come to be that let, was Let Love Rule? How did, um, where did it, all those elements growing, come from? Growing up ar- around parents that were just into everything. My mother was a theater actress, later a television sure. actress. My father was, uh, was a journalist for NBC, and he was a producer of music, jazz. So I grew up seeing everybody. My, my first concert in New York City... I, I, I was probably six. It was the Jackson Five at Madison Square Garden? Um, James Brown at the Apollo. Then going to see all these rock shows. I mean, because uh, Sid Bernstein was a good was a good friend. He was like a godfather to me. So we'd go to all the rock shows with Sid. Then I, I'm so I was, but I but in New York it was mostly about soul, R and B, jazz, funk. Then I moved to L A. when I was eleven, and ended up in Santa Monica. In 1975, so it was the whole Dogtown Z Boy scene. That's where I learned about Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and Cream and The Who and 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 Kiss. That's that's where I became a Kiss fan, you know. Um, uh, right when I got to L.A., so so I have all this music inside of me. So when I made my first record, I I couldn't stick to one thing because I just love music. So one minute's more rock, one minute's a little more funky, a little more R&B, a little more blues, a little more gospel, a little more whatever. Um, and, and and it continues today. Sure. That way. I just, different sounds for me tell different stories and have different moods. So I'll, I'll, I'll use them. See, that I find that interesting because as a kid, for me, 
I was exposed to all sorts of different music mm-hmm. as well. And, and there was always music in my house, my parents playing different mm-hmm. things. But once I sort of honed in on rock yeah. and the, as a kid, mm-hmm. and not, now, now I'm a little bit more open-minded, but right. as a kid, the, the, the power of, of hard rock music, like anything else that I knew up to that point had to be pushed to the side. Right. Like it you. was like you had to be on, like I was all in on that team and I like mm. looked at anything else as like a threat to, to the music I that I loved. Yeah. So I, that's what I always found interesting about you and other people I know too, that it, it, it wasn't, it was about more inclusion than just being down that one yes. lane. Yeah. Cause my life was so that, you know, especially, and also being, you know, mixed, you know, having, you know, having being black and white and right. hanging out with all groups of kids. It's like, you know, I, I didn't stay in one. So I was the kid in school that got to go around to all the different cliques and hang out with all of them. And they all accepted you? Yeah. Because the cliques, you know, back, is, was, you know, it was weird. It's, a, it's 75 in L.A. I remember going to the John Adams Junior High School in Santa Monica, and there was the black kids hanging out. Together. There were the surfers. There were the Mexicans. There were the nerdy sort of kids that, you know, played Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, it was like all these different groups of kids. And they, they all... Suck to themselves. The one, the, the kids that were more moto cross and BMX bikes versus skateboarding. Right. But they were real clicks, you know. And I would just go around and hang out with all of them. And, and is it true that because uh, I was telling you before, Slash is a good friend of mine. I know, of course, we he went to high school. Together, you, yeah. you went to high school, right? Yeah. Were you friends? We weren't friends, but I knew him. We, we were like cool. I never went to his house or anything, but I used to see him in the hallway a lot. And and so so he and I were in the hallway a lot. <laughs> And then, and then ditching. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so when did you, because of course he, he plays and co-wrote with you always yes. on the run. When did, when did you, did you reconnect after you became I, established no, no, musicians? I was at the American Music Awards when they won, they won a bunch of awards and, and Let Love Rule had just come out. And we saw each other. We were sitting near each other at, at the awards and it had nothing to do with Lenny Kravitz or Guns N' Roses. We were both the like, dude had like the wait whole a pass. <laughs> I remember you. It was like, and then we talked and we're like, oh, wow. We both went to school together. And then we got, we got friendly again. And then at the end of whatever tour. So what, what tour would that have been? Because we, we cut Always on the Run in 90, in 90, which came out in 91. So they they were just finishing. What tour would that have been for them? For Guns? Yeah. It would have been Use Your Illusion. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because he took the Concord from London, showed up in New York. They used to land like around 8.30, 8.45 in the morning, came straight to my house at that ungodly hour. Right. And then we, we both went out to Hoboken and, and cut that song. Wow. So your musical connection came later on. Not It wasn't so much based on being in the same high school at the same no, time. No, we just like, okay, you're doing your stuff. I'm doing my stuff. Let's play together. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think the, the first thing he did uh, was the, uh, I, don't, I can't remember which was first, but he did the solo on Feels of Joy. Right. On Mama Said. And then I think that was the first thing. Yeah. Out in LA. And then uh, I said, why don't we write something? And so he planned it. He came the, the, the day his tour ended. He came straight to New York and we did that. Tell me about, and, and I'm of course going to touch on the, the new record, which is coming out more, but mm. I'm fascinated about that earlier period because you played essentially everything yeah. on the first record mm. yourself and wrote everything. And where in your makeup coming up as a musician, mm. did you learn everything? Were you self-taught on everything? Did it happen very yeah, easily it was, for it you? Was, it, was, it was junior high and high school. I was... Uh, I mean, I started out playing guitar, you know, when I was a kid in New York. My dad had an acoustic guitar. That was the, the first thing. Yeah, and, a pian- and piano, because th- we had a little 
upright piano in the apartment. And then when I got to LA, I started playing drums. I always wanted to be a drummer, but living in a tiny apartment in New York, that wasn't going to happen. My mom, we couldn't have drums. And so I started playing drums in junior high school. And then after that, I started playing bass. So it just, I just always liked to play different instruments. Yeah. And it was never a plan on, on the first record to start playing all the instruments myself. I couldn't afford to, pl- to pay people to play. And the people that I could afford didn't play the way I want, that I felt they should. And so then my engineer was just like, dude, I've heard you play all the instruments. Just do it yourself. And I was like, do it myself. That's no fun. I want people around, you know? Mm. But in, in the great tradition of people like Stevie Wonder and Todd Rundgren and Paul McCartney and Prince and, you know, who have done that, I was like, okay, cool. You know, I love those records. I mean, let me, let me try and play it myself. And I did, and that became my sound, and you know, I'm still doing it today. Yeah, I was going to I mean, ha- there have been times where you've had other people play on oh, records, I have, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. And Craig Ross, my partner, my is an amazing guitar player. I want to talk about him because yeah, I agree. Yeah, very underrated cat, like extremely. Um, but for you, it, did it get to a point when you realized that that worked and that you had it that sort of... became my sound, and, and I liked the process. Yeah. And there was something about... How does the process start, Lenny? Do you What do you build on first? Do you do it as if you had a band? Like, will you start laying down bass and well, drums? On, 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 yeah, on, on, on Let Love Rule, for instance, starting with that first album, I either went and played the drum track first whilst s- singing the song in my head, which is quite a thing to keep, you know, keep in time and keep everything grooving the way you want. Or I would have somebody play, like my engineer uh, was... was as a keyboard player. And so he would play whatever, a piano, a Fender Rhodes, whatever, while I would play the drum track so I could hear somebody, I'd teach the song, right. play with it, and then erase that and then start over, you know? Um, but yeah, it was normally drums, guitar, bass, then more guitars, if you know, and then build up from there, whether there's percussion or horns or orchestra or whatever overdubs there might be. And in the 30 years, Keyboards. almost 30 years since you've done Let Love Rule, obviously mm-hmm. so much has changed the way studios work and technology oh, and yeah. all that. So do you find that beneficial? I mean, you're, you're, you're at your core, correct me if I'm wrong, more mm-hmm. of an old school guy. Yeah, yeah. Do you still, are you still a guy that wants to record on tape or have you embraced all the digital stuff? Or I use a little bit thought? of both. I have tape, I have Pro Tools, I have all that. But the equipment in my studios is all pretty, it's vintage. I have like a museum of vintage equipment, um, you know, uh, down to the board, the board that I use, which is a Helios, which is the same board that would have been in, in Olympic when Hendrix was doing his first album or Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, actually I got it from, I bought it from Leon Russell oh, wow. and I have lots of, you know, great outboard gear and compressors and all this tube equipment and microphones. And so it's, it's, it's primarily an old school studio. But I like the sound of that equipment. I think it just has such a pure sound. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And and what about from, so, you, so you're building these records. And, you know, and even old... vintage synthesizers now, which are like from the late 70s and 80s, you know. Yeah. I have a great collection of them as well. But you're building this layer of music and all this stuff. But obviously before you even get to that point, hmm. you need to create the songs. You need to write Absolutely. the songs. Absolutely. And as a fan, the talent that I've always been most impressed by hmm. is artists ability to write great songs mm-hmm. like i feel like uh not to diminish great musicians but right. you can go to la or, or new york and you can throw a stone and you can find an amazing guitar player oh, you can drummer. find guys who can play riff and have all this stuff yeah. and play fast yeah and yeah whatever but the ability to write mm-hmm. and consistently write mm-hmm. great songs i think to write 
as you said, and also to groove. Yeah. Because there's a lot of musicians that can play a lot of notes or a lot of drummers that can play these big solos and you're like, wow. But then you ask them to play two and four and sometimes the groove is not there. Yeah. So groove is something that's very, that's something that you're gifted with. And yeah, same thing obviously with songs. I mean, the, when you look at the best songwriters, whether it be Paul McCartney or Elton John or whomever or Lionel Richie, anybody that just is a songwriter and you go to those shows and you're just like, my God, the arsenal of of songs that you know are the fabric of our lives you know it's it's amazing so when did you know you could write songs when did you first start because i didn't really know to let love rule to to tell you the truth because before that i was really trying to find it and i was experimenting you weren't even lenny kravitz before no you were working under the name romeo blue and and i was like and i wanted to be i was more i wanted to be in a band i wanted to be the guitar player the drummer the bass player i had no intentions on being the singer and being in the front really didn't but it uh i ended up being in some bands and at one point like the singer wasn't happening and then they looking at me like will you do it you know and i was like you know okay i'll try but and then i kind of got more into it and then right before let love rule um that, that that record just came to me i was doing all kinds of other things playing with other people making demos for people i used to be the guy you could rent to like go make your demos. I'd play all the instruments and, you know, learn your songs and I'd, I'd play them and produce them. Um, I used to, you know, make pocket money doing that. But that love rule just came to me. Like when you say that, just, did you just wake up with those songs in your yeah, head? All of a sudden I was, I was trying to write and the things I was trying to write, I thought they were mediocre. And, and, and then I just, I don't know. I just got, just like with this album, just sometimes you have to just get quiet. And I just got quiet and my life was going in a certain way. And I was with Lisa Bonet at the time and we were having this amazing relationship and living this this incredible sort of hippie lifestyle that we were living in the in the late eighties and, and and we were in love and and um this record just came. Like it just I just heard it. And I was like, There it is. That's amazing. There so it is. so you like you wake up. Yeah. You go into your studio. And these songs just start pouring yeah, out. I just you. hear them, or I wake up in the middle of the night with them. So it's when I stopped trying that it happened. Have you found that to be the case throughout the rest the of your same, career? Th- this whole album, I dreamt. Raise vibration, this, the same thing. Raise vibration, I dreamt the whole album. Now, normally, really? I'll, normally I'll dream of two, three songs, and the rest you put, you know, you put together, and you, but you're flowing creatively, so you, you feel good, and you're. This whole record was dreamt. So when you I was say waking up, you three, wake four, up and write stuff morning, down. Yeah, or I run to the studio, or I grab my phone and start singing into the into the voice memo. You know? You're smoking a lot of weed before you go to bed, or what's going on, man? <laughs> Popping Ambien? Yeah, what no, are you doing? It just, just comes, man. It's, really? It's, yeah. And so that was the whole exercise with this record, because after making records for 30 years, which isn't that long compared to say the 50 years of other people, but it's but a like, long but 30 time. 30 years is a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't sure where I was going. I, I wasn't sure who I was creatively at that moment. Who am I? What do I have to say? Who? What's What's authentic to me right now? You know, I wasn't sure. I had to take a I had to take a moment. Got quiet. Was in the Bahamas. Was living my little island lifestyle. You know, and woke up one night with a song in my head, and went in the studio. Started working on that. And what happens once you start working on something that you were given, and you get into it now? you're open things start opening up and then the floodgates open and now these songs are 
coming. So it, every it, night you dream not in every one? Night, or? But it could be once a week, could be twice a week, could be twice a month. It depends. Um, but that's what happened with this record. And, I, and I, let, I let that happen. I got out of the way. I stayed out of the way. I took, I, I took all the opinions out of the way. Um, also, there's a lot of people saying, you know, you should do this. You should try that. You know, you need to be relevant today and to do this and, you know, try this new music. And, try, and it's like, okay, that's cool. But I'm me and I need to be, need to be me. And you were never that. Never, I mean, when you think ever. about Let Love Rule coming out in 1989, oh God, there, was n- there was nothing like that. That record was dry and organic. And, you know, at that time, the big records were like, say, the comparisons would have been like Bon Jovi records, which sure. had like big, you know, gated uh, reverbs and sure. big gang know, choruses, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. like big, you know, that that eighties big sound, sure, all that power stuff. station and all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. And here came Let Love Rule, which was like dry and very uh, organic and very, uh, you know, uh, intimate. And yeah, that's what I was hearing. That's what I wanted to do. But I mean, and that the was, records continued. Yeah, that was so refreshing to me because I was working even then in rock radio, mm-hmm. and I remember getting Let, Let Love Rule like it was yesterday. I'm sure mm-hmm. I still have the promo CD. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting it and, and against everything that was going on at mm-hmm. that time because so much of the stuff started to all sound the same because it was produced so much well, yeah, the that's same. What, yeah, the production value was like a big thing. Yeah, and, and it was a blueprint. There was the, the verse and the big gang chorus, and you know, it mm-hmm. jumped out at you. And then and all of a sudden this record comes out and I, I remember reading it and it's like, wait a minute, this was done in Hoboken. And right. it's like, you know, yeah. who, how do I not know this dude? He's local. Right. And it was just like it, it by being so very organic sounding and so different sounding, mm-hmm. it jumped out from the fray. So you've never been somebody that's no, you, you've always kind of no. done it your way and, and, and it's worked. Well, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm still here talking to you. Thank God. Yeah. Almost uh, 30 years yeah, later man. after that first record with a and new you record. Look amazing. Oh, come on, man. I said, I was saying on the air before, I said, I, you know, every, this is on Facebook Live. Mm. People want to see you. They should put a box over my head. No, 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 no. <laughs> We'll come right back with more, a lot more to cover with uh, Lenny Kravitz. The new album is called Raise Vibration. It's coming out September 7th, you said? Yes, sir. September, September 7th. 7th. Yes. Little ways to go, but there will be a single coming soon. And it, what, what's the song going to be that's the single? Uh, it's called Low. Low. Mm. I, I've heard some of the record. Mm. So I want to talk about some of the great, tracks great. on it. And I want to talk about, obviously, do this forever. Tons mm. of stuff with Lenny Kravitz as we come right back. It's on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP, and you might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories before you ever get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car you want, and your certified dealers know this. So they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Let's get back into it now with Lenny Kravitz on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Mm-hmm. You, you make these records yourself for the most part, but then you've got to go deliver it live. And yes. I imagine for you, it's really important to find people that have your vision and can get it over. And the one guy that's been to your side at your He's side the me, whole yeah. time, who you mentioned before, and I wanted to bring up because I think it's, I don't know him personally, but I'm such a fan of his playing and, and what He's, he brings is Craig, Craig Ross. Ross yeah. is amazing. One of the, one of the best guitarists ever. And, and those that know, know. In fact, when we did the um, when we did the Kennedy Honors thing for Led Zeppelin, I don't know if you saw that. I did. Um, Paige gave it up to Craig. Wow. He was like, "Oh yeah," you know. Um, but Craig, what what's amazing about Craig is that he he can play any genre authentically, and he's just such a monster player. And of course, we wrote "Are You Gonna Go My Way" together. I mean, I wanted to know. ask you about that because that. If you look at your your catalog of songs, and you've had a lot of hits, mm-hmm. and then you've got some songs in your catalog that are deep tracks that I mean I absolutely love as well. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, I, I would think most people would look at "Are You Gonna Go My Way" if they know Len, if they only casually know Lenny Kravitz mm-hmm. as the song they know mm-hmm. as the as the song in, mm-hmm. in your history to this point. Mm-hmm. When you and Craig wrote that song, even that riff, which is so becomes so iconic. Did you know you, when when you write? Dude, do you know you're no, making something? Had no idea. No idea that what's going to jump out. That song was cut in five minutes. Um, we were getting to the end of a session, and we came up with this thing. At that time, even on my third album, this, I still wasn't booking out studios twenty four hours yet. The next client was waiting to get in to their session, which would start like at three o'clock. I used to go to the studio at nine a.m., dude. Because there was cheaper, a, there was cheaper. There was an opening. It was a thing, and so you didn't have you weren't in the lockout phase at that point. Not yet, not <laughs> not not yet. And I was like, when am I going to just have the studio to myself, keep the board? Because you know this is this is pre Pro Tools and all that. So you'd have a song up, and now you're loving the mix. You're loving how it's sounding. You got to take it down. Come back tomorrow. Start over again. But anyway, the next client was coming in. We came up with this thing, put it down in five minutes, and went home with this track with no words, no melody. I just, I played it over and over and over the entire night on my boom box at home, wrote it down on a, on a, on a, I Who had it, the riff? Was the riff there yet? The open? No, the riff was there. The riff was there. The whole song was cut. Okay. There was just no vocal and no melody. I mean, no, 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 no lyric. Right. So that night I write it. I go back in the next morning. I sing the thing. I had no idea. Idea what that was going to be. I, I thought this is the, this this is so foreign to what's going on on the radio and what's I like I don't know. The, you know, at one you know there were things in in one speaker. There was all this phasing <laughs> at one point. The whole track phases. Right, there's a phase. The of whole track, and, yeah, yeah. everything. Drums, bass, guitar. <laughs> the whole thing phases. Things were out of phase. I, mem- I remember <laughs> when it first came on MTV. There was actually we had to do like we had to fix the mix because there was there was music not coming out of the speakers. It was like canceling. Can't, they were canceling each other out, but and when we started to work that song, it took a, it took a long time for radio for MTV. It took a long time, but I believe that that video had a lot to do with it as well. I met Mark Romanic, mm. the director of that video, who really cool stuff. He I does. mean, it was just a simple video, but it was so effective, yeah. and the visual and the whole thing, and and 
it it all helped. But then once it got over, that was it. It was like never went away. But it was a it was a thing. So to this day, do but you, I I don't know hit songs. But to answer your question, do you know? Do you I, know when you write something? What's going to be? I the, know when I write something that I like, and I go, well, that's, that's a hit to me. Right. But a hit to me, I don't know if that's a hit to other people. You know, uh, it's interesting. Um, I think the only time I ever knew I had a hit was when I wrote again for the greatest hits. I was gonna. It's funny it was, you bring that up. I wanted to ask you about that because I love that song. And when that came out as the bonus track on the greatest right. hits record, that was I driver, said to myself, yeah. was this something he passed on and didn't put on a no. record? Because this is a smash. They called me, uh, the, the Nancy, Nancy Berry, who was running the label. She called me. She says, we're going to put, we're, we're going we're to do a greatest hits album. First of all, I thought it was greatest hits. I've only made uh, a few albums. Like, Am I done? You dropping uh, like, me? No, greatest hits, like already? Like, you're, you're supposed to be old when you do that. But it, she's like, no, it's time for greatest hits. She says, we need, we need one song, and we want it to be a mid-tempo ballad. That's what we – so I'd never done that thing before where somebody said, this is what we want, and you got to deliver it on this day. Never. But I had this challenge, and I had a month to do it. And – Came up with that song, crafted it, worked on it. I mean, really had a direction for that. And when it was done, I was like, okay, that that's a hit. I, that's a hit. And it was. But that, uh, that's, the only, that's the only time I knew. The only other time I knew I had a hit song was when I gave Justify My Love to Madonna. Mm-hmm. I called her and I said, I have a number one song for you. I had just come off the road from the Let Love Rule tour. I was nobody. I was the kid, new kid on the block. And so those are two times. And it didn't help that you were giving it to the biggest pop star in the world. Who, yeah. At that point, even if it yeah, was a bad was, song, she probably could have found a way to make it yeah, hit. Yeah, because that was when she was doing her immaculate co- collection. The book, yeah. So she was, uh, yeah, she was yeah. killing it, as I, she was for a very, very, very long time. It's again, it's one of my favorites. I Man, I love your vocal on it. I love the drum sound on it. It's just that, that, that big smack. That was cut in my house in Miami at the time. And we worked on that drum sound for probably a week. Oh, so and it's, my, I, they were my, really, you did put a lot into it. my engineer, who, I mean, we used to fight over it because, I mean, it's like a week. It's like, okay, I really think it's got that vibe. It's got that, it's got enough of that Bonham-esque sort of thing yeah. in the drums that I liked at that time. And he, he to this day, still doesn't like that drum <laughs> sound. I was like, I think it worked, man. But, but that drum sound was a big thing. That was like the center of the track. Yeah, that's yeah. it jumps right out at you. It yeah. drives the whole thing. Exactly. It's, it's it's awesome. L- l- let me turn that around on you. Had there been songs that you wrote, I'm sure there have been that you're like this is a stone cold smash and it just tanked, nobody cared. Um was there ever one or two of those that you wrote that you were just convinced it's the single, it's the hit and then it just I don't it know, just I, didn't go the distance? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh uh you look at me, I'm like, yeah, I've had nothing but success. <laughs> All my songs are hits. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's happened. It's yeah. happened. I'm just trying to think when and what. Right. Um, um, but it's happened, yes. Well, happened. let me, while we're I talking promise. about songs that I, I, I made a little hit list of your catalog of songs that mm. I absolutely love. Okay. We're not going to have time for you to give me great I'd detail curious, on I'd all of them. I'd be curious to know what But I want to know, yeah, like. well. Knowing so much of the other things. Well, I could like. give you, I could give you a deep track okay. that I absolutely. I would maybe say my favorite Lenny Kravitz album if I had to pick a circus. You know, okay, but, but let me tell you. So last night with Questlove, they were saying, "So how come nobody likes Circus?" 
And I said, and I said, the fans, that was the fans record. They, they loved that record. I love it. And it was coming after Arguing On My Way. And it was, it was a strange record, and, but it was a very cool record. And I was, I was going through a lot at that time. My mom was, my mom was dying of cancer. You know, I, all this, the whole record thing and the fame and all that comes with a, it was just, it was it was just a circus going on at that, in my life at that time. Yeah, even the title track is yeah. just. But but which is your track? With well, a deep track. Yeah. Um, Beyond the seventh sky. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I you know talk it, about I know Zeppelin it, I know and like Trunks ears. <laughs> that that track was cut in a castle in France. I cut half the record. What well, that that record went through three studios: New York, New York at, at Waterfront in Hoboken. The Bahamas Compass Point, and I rented this chateau in in France because uh, I wanted to do my my Stone Zeppelin thing and go rent a castle and you know live out there and cut a record remote truck out and, in the yeah, driveway. Exactly. <laughs> and that was cut. There was this big sort of ballroom in that chateau, and those drums on um, Beyond the Seventh Sky. Oh, and that's that bottom that behind the oh, beat. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I was I was channeling bottom that. It's a heavy most song. That, it's probably of, one of the heaviest songs you've record. done. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna when I come back to the states, I'm gonna add that to the set list. Oh man, that would yeah. be badass. Yeah. But even on that song, like a song like "Rock and Roll Is Dead," mm-hmm. which people try to make that claim now about rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But what were you saying back then in that song? It was more, you know, I wasn't really. It was kind of a weird song because I wasn't talking really about rock and roll is dead. I had some friends in a very big band. I won't say who because you'll know. Everybody knows who they are, and they were. They were do, they were really ruining themselves with a lot of drugs, and really going down a path that I that I thought was sad, and uh, to an excess, mm-hmm. not fun anymore. To an excess, to their detriment, and they. I was having a talk with them and say, "Why are you Why are you doing this to yourself, man?" And they were saying, "Cause we got to be rock and roll." And so that so when I said rock and roll is dead, what I was saying was, if you listen to the lyrics really carefully, I was basically saying, that's dead, man. You don't have to do that right. to be rock and roll. Rock and roll is dead, bro. You don't need that. Right. Just just be who you are and be rock and roll. So it was kind of a weird, it was a little ambiguous, but um, it was taken as Lenny, Lenny Kravitz said, rock and roll is dead. How dare he, you know? And then Prince actually answered me with a song called Rock and Roll is Alive and Well and Lives in Minneapolis. I don't know if you ever heard that track, but he answered me, uh, which was fun. But um, yeah, but that's a cool track as well. So many, great ballad on that record too. Can't get off my mind. Oh God, I mean, what a vocal on that. Kind of almost a precursor to Again in a way. Absolutely. In the the structure of the song and everything. Absolutely. But that that was a song that I thought should have been, I mean, I know it did okay, but Mm. I thought it should have been a massive hit. Right. I thought it was amazing. Getting away from the circus record, Mm. some of the other stuff... well, I was I was always interested in you had a big hit with American Woman doing the yes. Guess Who cover. You haven't yes. done a lot of covers in your no. career, but why that song? Why did you decide to do that? I got a call uh, from Guy O'Siri, who uh, was dealing with the the spy who shagged me soundtrack and movie, and and he says we want you to cut American Woman for the movie, and I thought, what am I going to do with that? It's like it's it's perfect it's amazing like i i'm, I'm not going to touch that song he said just try it just do it I, I was in miami at the time i think i started it there and, um i said okay let me let me let me let me try and mess with it and 
So I, I got into it and I listened to it and I found my way. I started cutting it. Um, and it's obviously very different, mm -hmm. but again, I had no, idea. I had no idea about that. They but put, if they, you're going to do a cover, I would think the, 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 the idea is to make it your own. Yes. Why do it if it's going to be. And so I did. And, 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 uh, um, it came out and it was like, then they're like, I get, you gotta make this video. We're getting traction. We made this big video. Yeah. Heather Graham was in yep. it. Um, huge song Grammy. Like I was like, it's amazing. And, but the beautiful thing was then Burton Cummings and called me from the guest. Yeah. Room. And was like, thank you so much. And I, I love, sure I liked, I'm sure he liked getting the publishing I love too. what you did. <laughs> and he was, that's the whole thing. There were some new houses bought. <laughs> there was, uh, there was a, a just a, bought a car. Let me think. There was a tour. No, they were talking about houses, <laughs> houses. They were buying houses, man. And, 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 and they, they went back on tour. Yeah. And so that was the beautiful thing. Like I made a friend. I, um, I honored him with the cover. He liked it a lot. And, and then it was a win-win for everybody. So yeah. it was like, and then I ended up meeting them. I went up to much music in Canada and got to meet them. I think we even played it together, but, um, but that was a very interesting thing because I, I had no idea what to do with that song. And next thing it was, it's like one of these yeah. songs that like, a, a, there's a lot of people that don't realize that it's the guess who yeah. they think it's my song. Like, no, 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 it's not mine. Yeah. You, well, you figured out what to do with it. Cause yeah. it's amazing. I, we got to go to a break mm -hmm. and then I got some, uh, some people from Facebook live that want to, uh, chime in and we're going to ask their questions, but I'm just going to give you my list real quick uh, mm. that I had yeah, yeah. Uh, that, um, well, of course, always on the run. Fields yes. of Joy, Stillness of Heart. I love. Oh, thank you. I mean, I love that That's track. One of my favorites. Dirty too. White Boots, more recent yeah. from Strut. Love that. Beyond the Seventh Sky, I mentioned. Mm. Believe, I love. I thank mean, you. it goes on and on. I'm taking man. your list so I can. I'll, I'll help. So I can get. I want get the set list. Going. I can. If you'd like me to write the set list, I will. But I would, I would love that. Probably ninety percent of people would leave because they wouldn't. I'd have deep tracks on it and people would like, well, that's what are you right. so, I want the Eddie Trunk set list, bro. <laughs> It'll have to be at a small, intimate club <laughs> for only hardcore no, fans No, but I'm going to get a few of those in. Yeah, yeah. I'll get Believe In. I'll get uh, uh, Always on the Run In. I'll get, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll go Seven through it Sky, all. Seven Sky, you're not going to. You're going to do that? Get, well, Gail, my bass player, who's amazing, Gail Ann Dorsey, who you would know, she played with Bowie for 15 uh -huh. years before me. Um, that bass part is really like out there and crazy. And she's like, she wants please. to dig into it. No, she doesn't want. She's oh, like, she doesn't want to she's do like, it. Please don't make me. Learn, please don't make me learn that song. <laughs> Coming right back with more with Lenny Kravitz. And yes, I got your questions here. You guys watching? We're going to hit uh, Lenny with them right after this. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Foreigner with the 21st Century Orchestra and Chorus, the new album featuring the classic hits as you've never heard them before, live and orchestral. The album was recorded at KKL Luzerne, Switzerland in May 2017. It is the very first Foreigner album with full orchestra and choir. Together with the 21st Century Orchestra and orchestra and choir the performance showcases all of foreigners biggest hits cold as ice say you will double vision urgent feels like the first time jukebox hero and more these anthems have been reimagined through orchestral and choral arrangements and can now be enjoyed from a completely new perspective and with fantastic sound quality available on cd dvd cd 180 gram vinyl box set and digitally 
on April 27th. So that would mean it's available now. The live performance will also be broadcast in June on a PBS channel near you. Be sure to catch Foreigner on tour this summer, commencing June 15th through August 4th with White Snake and Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin Evening. Foreigner, the new album with the 21st Century Orchestra and Chorus. Exclusive CD and DVD available only at Walmart. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get back into it now with Lenny Kravitz on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's go to, it looks like uh, Valencia, who's also on Twitter, writes, Before Prince's death, did he... Did you and he have any further plans to perform or do music together? Yes, we had talked about, he had kept bringing up this tour that we would do together. And, uh, you know, he's like, we should do this. We should go out and tour together and we'll, we'll flip flop. One night I'll close, one night you'll close. And we'll just go around and do this, this tour. And we talked about it for like a few years. But unfortunately, uh, you know, that, that never happened. Mm. Now we played in the studio. He'd come to my shows and play. I'd go to his shows and play. But as far as but, but as far as us doing a tour together, that was the plan. You know, you know? Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the band Soul Asylum, and Dave Perner mm-hmm. actually told me that he and Prince Prince had recorded one of Dave Perner's songs. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I didn't and know that. That, um, that Soul Asylum's drummer Michael Bland mm-hmm. uh, was Prince's drummer. Yes, and Michael told me that he recorded it with Prince and it was one of Perner's songs and Dave was like oh, wow. blown away to I'm find sure out the vault. they're going to find it. Yeah. But Dave was like blown away to find out that, that this had happened hmm. for you. Do you know what was there things that maybe Prince did of yours or did you guys write stuff that hasn't seen the light of day? Is there stuff in the we, vault with we, Lenny Kravitz? We, we, yes. And they were, they were, uh, as he called them when we did them, they were like souvenirs, mementos. Like we'll just put it, New original material? Yeah, stuff that we did at Paisley. Right. And just put it in the vault. So do you have copies of it? I have copies of one thing, yes. And is Prince on it as well? Or? Yes, both of us are playing all the instruments and doing everything. And um, it's in there. Right. And then there's 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 things that I'm on that, that I still won't say to this day because they were, uh, like he'd say, come here and do this. Whether it's, you know, sing or do something or... But, do and and you'd you'd have to really listen and say oh that's Lenny you know what I mean they were just like little secret mementos yeah wow it's amazing which, which were cool man yeah so yeah. so maybe at some point once they dig into his vaults we'll yeah. get some of this stuff you think would you like that to happen um, there's one thing that I, that that I'd love to finish that we started yeah that I know in particular that's that's funky. Is it maybe something you would do on, on your own yeah, for one of your records? Yeah, or finish it, yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. cool. Uh, let's see here. Whoever's handwriting is just awful here. I thought mine was bad. Mm. This is, um, I can't read who the person is that's asking this, but they want to know, my my kids mm. who are, are 10 and 14 watching the Hunger Games and right. you're on my TV now all right. of a sudden because they're all of a sudden obsessed with right. this movie and I had no idea you would done that film because i hadn't seen it till they I had started no idea i'd done it <laughs> <laughs> so you i mean obviously a massive movie mm. uh series and you're in a couple of the of the uh mm. of them i know 
acting. You'd done some other stuff too. You had a show, uh, Star, was it? Well, that was a, that was, yeah, that was with Lee Daniels. I just did a couple of guest appearances because I had done two of his movies, The Butler mm-hmm. and Precious. Right. And so it just started like, you know, I don't know. I just got called and like, why don't you do this? And then, then the, uh, the, the director of Hunger Games saw Precious and he's like, why don't you come do this? And then someone else like called and I just ended up doing a f- several movies. But um, it was it was fun. It was amazing. I love the collaboration. Um, and I'm going to do more films. Uh, I'm actually going to make my own film coming up in the next year. Um, but right now I'm getting ready to go on the road and just play music. Did you have while. a – you dabbled in acting a little bit before music. Did when you I do some younger, commercials yeah, and yeah, stuff? I, yeah, and I, I did theater. Um, my mother was a theater actress and, uh, I did plays, I did theater, I did, uh, you know, all that when I was younger. But then when the music bug really hit me, I was like, I put blinders on and that was it. Right. So, so it's definitely a secondary thing. Music's still the primary thing for you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, let's see here. This is, looks like Gretchen watching on Facebook live dream artist. You'd love to work with and never got the chance to yet. Mm. Dream artists have never, well, the ones that I got to work with, like, you know, I worked with Michael Jackson, I worked with Bowie, I worked with, you know, Prince, I worked with Madonna. Uh, Madonna you know, yeah, I mean, there's a uh, guy, Curtis Mayfield. I mean, uh, but I'm trying to think who, well, you know, I, actually, I can't answer that question. Aretha Franklin. Mm. I would love to write and produce something for Aretha Franklin. Okay. Yeah. There you go, Gretchen. Uh, this is Roseanne. She wants to know what inspires your fabulous fashion sense. Mm. That I guess that comes from my mother. Uh, growing up in New York City with my mom in the seventies, and she had, she was a, she had great style, and all her friends. You know, I, I, mean, I used to be around Miles Davis and all these folks, and. You know, they all dressed really cool and had cool apartments. And so I, I really got that from being around my mom and being around her group of artists. Yeah. What's the Lenny Kravitz closet look like, man? Um, there's like storage. I don't know. There's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. Suffice it to say, it's a walk in. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> or do you go to cities and like look at clothes? Or you like, you go, he's going to shops and finding spots um, and stuff? I used to do that a lot. I used to go to all the thrift stores like back in the 90s when that was really happening um um now thrift stores are like the same price as like boutiques on, <laughs> right. on madison avenue you know concert like, shirt 75 bucks right, right? 75 <laughs> shit, man they, man they got ones that are like you know thousand you know this 1970 something stones or zeppelin right sure but i'm um, not but 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 I, I love fashion i love the art of fashion it's one of the things i'm you know that i'm into as well as you know, photography and design. And yeah, I wanted to ask that. you about that for for people that don't know. You've got a book or two, right? That yeah, you've done, did, you I got did, into photography yeah, somewhat I recently. Did a, I did a book and I did a uh, an exhibition that went around the world to some different countries and uh, and uh, I have a design firm called Kravitz Design and we we do interior design and architecture and products and we design everything. You know, from couches to cutlery to light, to lighting fixtures and door handles and carpets and, wow. and, uh, you know, hotels, we do hotels. Uh, I'm doing, I, I designed a, like a camera that I'm doing my second camera that's coming out this year and, you know, a Daytona Rolex watch and blah, blah, blah. So there's all, you know, all kinds of things, tiles. And how'd you get into that though? That, I mean, the, 
the there, there's always been a visual sense to what you do, but mm. the the actual designing something. I mean, architecturally, you're you're coming up with the stuff. Are you drawing? Are you writing? How I are you draw doing very it? crudely, and then the the people that really know what they're doing put it in the computer and make sure that it will stand up. You know, <laughs> but um, I just I just always loved design. Right. And when I like when I had my first apartment, when I was doing Let Love Rule, I, I was renting an apartment on on Broom and Mercer, and uh, you know I couldn't afford to buy furniture, and I couldn't afford to just you know get a, a, a decorator to come in and work. So I, I did it. I was like, let me just do it myself. And I I would find things on the street. You know, people would put out couches and tables and chairs on the street. And I would fix them up and, you know, repurpose them. And I would do the interiors myself and with friends. And so just kind of like just hanging out, doing stuff. And then it got into like this, turned into like a sickness. <laughs> and, and then I was like, you know what? I kept buying places and redoing them, selling it, buy another one, redo it, sell it. And after a while, I was just like, I can't keep doing this. So I started a firm where I could do it for other people. I was going to say, I say, I, I sense like a reality show here somewhere. Right. Where, uh, Lenny Kravitz flips your house or something <laughs> like that. But you can actually, on a serious note, you can actually go to your site, mm-hmm. LennyKravitz.com, and, mm-hmm. and there's a, a link to that, I noticed, which is Kravitz Design. Mm-hmm. So you have a, 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 a business there. I have an people, office here in New York on so Crosby if, Street. if somebody did want to, to, to use you, they can, and you would oversee it, I would I would think. Is that how oh, yeah, it would work? We, we design, we do, we have, you know... Um, you know, we just built a house in Los Angeles, uh, amazing house uh, up in Hollywood Hills. It just sold for 33 million bucks. And, you know, we just finished a hotel in Toronto called Bisha. And, you know, I mean, so we're doing all these different projects around the world. Right. Nightclub in Paris, you know, uh, all kinds of things. You're speaking, yeah. speaking of going to Paris, which you said you also live. I know you've got dates coming up. You're playing throughout Europe and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the dates and I noticed, I mean, you're, you're, you as a headline act are playing huge places mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. You, you certainly have a tremendous uh, following here in America as well. But it, suffice it to say, is it bigger in Europe? Um, in terms of your draw? I don't know if it's draw? bigger, but I've, just, I've, done, I've been touring there more. But I'm coming back here after that and I'll be playing... Uh, arenas and some festivals here in the States that you'll, that you'll hear about. Right. Yeah. But why do you think they gravitated towards your music so much there? You know, I find it interesting. There's, there's artists that always were real big there, but mm. not, you look at whether it be Thin Lizzy or T-Rex right. in that world that over there, well, the, a whole different thing. The label thing. sent me there first. They, they, they were like, we don't know what to do with you. Lenny Kravitz, you know, you got this, this name and you're making this music and you're black, white, and it's this and it's that. And, <laughs> you know, it's not one genre. So it's not just rock or it's not just R and B or what do we do? Send them to go to Europe, <laughs> send me to Europe, send me to Paris, send me to London, send me to Amsterdam and send me to Hamburg, Germany. Uh, and I broke in, I broke in Paris and London and Hamburg and Amsterdam. Those were the four places that I broke. I think they weren't, they weren't as concerned with being in a box and, then I came back to America, and it started to happen. But Europe, Europe started it. Yeah, yeah. What do you make of where we are now? Because obviously, so much has changed since it's been almost thirty years since Let Love uh-huh. Rule. In terms of the way the business works, do you think an artist like what you're doing, which is a wide net of mm-hmm. music, do you think there's a way you could push through the? The, the clutter that's out there. I mean, I mean, there's pros and cons to everything, but so there's hard, so but much out there at the same time, now. if there's a kid in his bedroom somewhere in his basement, wherever, 
can put it out and we can, it can be discovered without a label, without management, you know? Um, but that's also the downside though. Exactly. Because anyone could do it. So there's no real but it's gatekeeping anymore. It's hard to break anymore. through and it's hard. To, I mean, the whole thing is, the whole thing is hard. Yeah. There's so much information, there's so much music, there's so many projects, there's so many films, there's so much content out there, you know, I mean, you know, the new Zeppelin record would come out when I was a kid, I was living in LA at the time after we moved here, and I remember going out to Tower Records and people were lined up three days ahead of time, sleeping bags, tents, you know, waiting for this... Back then, it was just like... They did that for concert tickets, too. I, rem- I remember that, I worked too. in a record store. I remember that, yeah. too. You'd line up to get them, try to get them front row tickets. and But there's just so much coming at people now. It, it's it's hard, man. Yeah. And then you've got you know, all these stations that are in... Uh, it's this. The station plays this. Right. Classic rock doesn't play new music. And this one new plays music that. doesn't play classic. Right. It's the same 15 songs all day. And it's, right. a, you know... But anything can happen. That's the that's the beauty of all this. Huge thanks to Lenny Kravitz. That was a lot of fun for joining me on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. And hopefully we'll do more with Lenny in the very near future. Again, the Eddie Trunk podcast is new every Thursday. PodcastOne.com and iTunes. And don't forget to hit me on social media, at Eddie Trunk. Twitter, where I'm most active, Instagram, Facebook, and EddieTrunk.com is the website. Don't forget the new shirts available, Trunk Nation shirts, in my online store. And you can get signed copies of my books. All my appearances on the homepage as well. I reminded you about them earlier. And when you do any shopping on Amazon, please start on my page, which is Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Katie Irizarry is the producer of the Eddie Trunk podcast. I'll see you again next Thursday for another all-new episode, always free, on PodcastOne.com and iTunes. If you're into getting a very sassy, sexual, beautiful, inspiring, funny, oftentimes embarrassing, slightly anal podcast in your repertoire, subscribe to us, Lady Gang, on Podcast One, the Podcast One app. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. 
a place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around, with nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.